Chapter fifty five of Cobwebs from an Empty Skull. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeremiah Sutherland, Victoria, British Columbia. Cobwebs from an Empty Skull by Ambrose Bierce. Chapter fifty five. Diverse Tales seventeen. Mrs. Dennison's Head. While I was employed in the bank of loan and discount, said Mr. Applegarth, smiling the smile with which he always prefaced a nice old story, there was another clerk there named Dennison, a quiet reticent fellow, the very soul of truth, and a great favorite with us all. He always wore crepe on his hat, and once, when asked for whom he was in mourning, he replied his wife, and seemed much affected. We all expressed our sympathy as delicately as possible, and no more was said upon the subject some weeks after this he seemed to have arrived at that stage of tempered grief at which it becomes a relief to give sorrow words to speak of the departed one to sympathizing friends for one day he voluntarily began talking of his bereavement and of the terrible calamity by which his wife had been deprived of her head this sharpened our curiosity to the keenest edge but of course we controlled it hoping he would volunteer some further information with regard to so singular a misfortune but when day after day went by and he did not allude to the matter we got worked up into a fever of excitement about it one evening after dennison had gone we held a kind of political meeting about it at which all possible and impossible methods of decapitation were suggested as the ones to which mrs d probably owed her extraordinary demise i am sorry to add that we so far forgot the grave character of the event as to lay small wagers that it was done this way or that way that it was accidental or premeditated that she had had a hand in it herself or that it was wrought by circumstances beyond her control all was mere conjecture however but from that time dennison as the custodian of a secret upon which we had staked our cash was an object of more than usual interest it wasn't entirely that either aside from our paltry wagers we felt a consuming curiosity to know the truth for its own sake each set himself to work to elicit the dread secret in some way and the misdirected ingenuity we developed was wonderful all sorts of pious devices were resorted to to entice poor dennison into clearing up the mystery by a thousand indirect methods we sought to entrap him into divulging all history fiction poesy all were laid under contribution and from goliath down through charles i to sam spigger a local celebrity who got his head entangled in mill machinery every one who had ever mourned the loss of a head received his due share of attention during office hours the regularity with which we introduced and the pertinacity with which we stuck to this one topic came near getting us all discharged for one day the cashier came out of his private office and intimated that if we valued our situations the subject of hanging would afford us the means of retaining them he added that he always selected his subordinates with an eye to their conversational abilities but variety of subject was as desirable at times as exhaustive treatment during all this discussion dennison albeit he had evinced from the first a singular interest in the theme and shirked not his fair share of the conversation never once seemed to understand that it had any reference to himself his frank truthful nature was quite unable to detect the personal significance of the subject it was plain that nothing short of a definite inquiry would elicit the information we were dying to obtain and at a caucus one evening we drew lots to determine who should openly propound it the choice fell upon me next morning we were at the bank somewhat earlier than usual waiting impatiently for dennison and the time to open the doors they always arrived together when dennison stepped into the room bowing in his engaging manner to each clerk as he passed to his own desk i confronted him shaking him warmly by the hand 
At that moment all the others fell to writing and figuring with unusual avidity, as if thinking of anything under the sun except Denison's wife's head. Oh, Denison, I began, as carelessly as I could manage. Speaking of decapitation reminds me of something I would like to ask you. I have intended asking it several times, but it has always slipped my memory. Of course you will pardon me if it is not a fair question. As if by magic the scratching of pens died away, leaving a dead silence which quite disconcerted me, but I blundered on. I heard the other day, that is, you said, or it was in the newspapers or somewhere, something about your poor wife, you understand, about her losing her head. Would you mind telling me how such a distressing accident, if it was an accident, occurred? When I had finished, Denison walked straight past me as if he didn't see me, went round the corner to his stool, and perched himself gravely on the top of it, facing the other clerks. Then he began speaking calmly and without apparent emotion. Gentlemen, I have long desired to speak of this thing, but you gave me no encouragement, and I naturally supposed you were indifferent. I now thank you all for the friendly interest you take in my affairs. I will satisfy your curiosity upon this point at once, if you will promise never hereafter to allude to the matter, and to ask not a single question now. We all promised upon our sacred honor, and collected about him with the utmost eagerness. He bent his head a moment, then raised it, quietly saying, My poor wife's head was bitten off. By what? we all exclaimed eagerly, with suspended breath. He gave us a look full of reproach, turned to his desk, and went at his work. We went at ours. End of chapter 55